the guy, yeah, Juju was super impressive, man. I'll send you the video. Where he yeah, he's about, a he's a grinder. Talks about his his job. Um, I almost wonder like how he even had time for relationships, doing the 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 YouTube thing, the full time gig. Like, how do you also then meet people and hang out with people? Uh, everything's compartmentalized. Everything's like a time block in your calendar. Or it's just people who are interested in the same shit as you. Mm. Right? Like, you, know, you like to work out, so you meet someone at the gym. They also mm-hmm. like to work out, so then you go to the gym together. Mm. Meal prep together. Do you still uh, want to open your, your own gym one day? You relax. Yeah, I think. <laughs> no. Relax. <laughs> Lie down. Stop being spaz. Jesus Christ. Yeah, I think that's something I'd like to do. Um, one day. Do you, do you think uh, you could like build up the online component of it first via, you know, rehab videos or whatever and then build the, that brand up and then open up as a physical location like a couple of guys have done? Is that worth yeah. doing? Yeah, I think I've had different thoughts and different ways I, I've, over the years I've thought about approaching it. When I was young and naive, I was like, yeah, I'll just buy us warehouse somewhere and just start a gym yeah <laughs> now i'm not that dumb and then i was like oh well i'm fighting mma once i win a well, uc belt then everyone will and guys are just gonna flock in guys, once they see that once title they see that title once they see that i'm like jsp that didn't work out <laughs> yeah a lot of guys have said that they thought like once i win worlds my phone i'm gonna come back and my phone's gonna be blowing up and like guys would walk in and they don't even know what worlds are they're like i need to learn self-defense yeah um yeah I yeah. think now I love martial arts, but I also recognize that that alone will never sustain a profitable gym. Yeah, it needs right. to be fitness, right? Fitness, or you have to have something else, whether it's a fitness facility or, you know, you run a clinic out of there and then it's a shared mm-hmm. space where you can, mm. where people can train out of. That makes the right? most sense because then there's me, a reason for people to show up. Exactly. Like, I'm fucked up. I got to go into the clinic. Oh, you guys do martial arts and get even more fucked up here. You do martial arts. Oh, you guys lift weights. And so that's kind of how, over the years, my brain has started to wrap around things. Is that if I'm going to do it, it's going to be as an extension of my profession. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, you know, I've saved up enough money. I have enough clientele. I have enough, a big enough name where I can now run my clinic. I have enough mm-hmm. people I can bring to my clinic to sustain the rent. I have mm-hmm. physio, I have people who will want to work for me and work with me yeah. to pay the rent and for us to be profitable, obviously. Yeah. And then byproduct of that is like, yeah, you can have a martial arts school there or a club or a fitness facility there, that, which is a lot of how a lot of these like, uh, not physio clinics, but a lot of like these higher end clinics function. And so I think having a sport performance center is how I would phrase it. Sport Performance Center. I that makes a lot of sense. Sport Performance Center slash clinic. That's open to the general public. Slash Fight Club. Slash Fight Club. That's so slash. sick. That's a, you're like the arsonist and the firefighter. You're like, yeah, come in, do some martial arts. And like, oh, your shoulders fucked. We're right upstairs. Like, and it's a part of your membership. That's that's literally been the running joke since I got into med school. It's like everyone's like, oh, you're gonna break your. Uh, you're gonna break people on the mat, and they're just gonna, you're just gonna treat them upstairs. I'm like, yeah, yeah. they already tr- know you, trust you. They're like, yeah, you fucked me up, uh, but he also says he has the fix. So I'm gonna do that. That's that's like, yeah, it's super cool. It's like vertically integrating your life. Yeah, like the thing that you do 
that's like the thing everyone chases when they think of starting their own thing. They're like, well, I'll do, you know, what you love for money. But most people's interests are just happen to not be aligned with money. Yeah. And you're in that rare case where you want to do sports medicine and it's an actual career that pays money and other people are interested in it as a hobby, not just to get treatment. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of like all those things in one. Yeah. Well, that's also why doing this whole fellowship thing was like, that was always the thought process behind it when I first got into med school. It was like, all right, three years to get through med school, two years of family medicine, then a year of sports medicine, then I'm done. So that's six years. Mm-hmm. I think I got it when I was 22, 23. I was like, all right, by the time you're 29, fully into your <laughs> career and making money. But, yeah, it's a know. long lead up to like actually start making some money. <laughs> that's anybody who's in medicine. It's, that's you're delaying your delay gratification. You're delaying everything yeah. in pursuit of that goal in with the idea that the payoff will be worth it. Mm-hmm. I think that's questionable depending on how you look at things. But. Is the payoff though based on running your own clinic? Like is no, that where is the money is? Based on being a physician, like running no. your own clinic has its other its own uh, issues, right? That's mm. just being a small business owner. Yeah, and not at that everybody point, wants yeah. to be a small business. Like, a lot of doctors certainly don't. Do you think? Oh, well, I mean, at the end of the day, we are all small business owners because we're all our own independent. Oh yeah, that's our true. Own small business, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like being a true like, like hiring staff hiring and staff, like maintaining a location, yeah, like that. I don't. Some people want to do that, and some people do. And I think there's different variables. I mean, opening a clinic in Toronto is probably not the easiest or smartest thing to do if, unless you have old money. Why is it not well, I mean, a good idea? Is, oh. Right? Like, just thinking yeah. about the expenses that go into opening up a location, let's say in downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. You're looking for real estate. You're trying to do renovations. Like, unless you have money saved up, mm-hmm. or if you're a new grad and you have, like, your parents have money or somebody and you're, you're coming from a wealthy background, mm-hmm. you can do it. But, like, someone like me can't do that without a small business loan. Even if you're leasing, like, a small space... That's maybe shared with other people in the same building. Yeah. I or in think, like a kind of a, a some shittier part of town. I mean, I think that's why you just kind of work for other clinics because you're still paying. Mm-hmm. You're essentially leasing a space to work mm-hmm. on your practice, right? Do you think uh, you should start building up your online identity for your clinic before you launch the actual clinic? Kind of like a, a build up. Mm-hmm. Like have like a, a mailing list of people, maybe videos that people watch where you teach some stuff or is that, or is it just like a waste of time just freaking, if you're going to launch a clinic, start a clinic? Oh, I think if you're going to launch a clinic, like there's so much demand for stuff really? that like, I don't think that's ever going to be the issue. Like if someone, op- like there's, if someone opens up a sports medicine clinic somewhere in Toronto, mm-hmm. people will go because people need to see doctors. Yeah. Right? Like everyone's going to want access to physicians. So you don't need a following online. In I don't think you need to... a following online, but I think in order for you to have credibility, like it's different. I think if I was not wanted to be like just, a, not just, a, no one's just a physiotherapist or a therapist or massage therapist, but their income is based on the amount of people that come to them that pay for their services mm-hmm. versus in, at least in Canada, people are coming to you and the government is paying you, right? Mm-hmm. So you're always gonna, there's always going to be people looking for a doctor and for people to, to pay you. Now, attracting the type of people or the type of 
clientele you want, I think, is different. Um, and so for people to know that, oh, you're, I'm not just a family doctor. I also do sports medicine. That's where, that's where part of, like, I think, where residency training and kind of doing something like the fellowship is important and helpful because, you know, you work with all the people in Toronto or the majority of people who are the bigger names. Mm-hmm. And that gets you, A, a connection to all the different clinics. Right. And then, B, when you're done, people go, oh, yeah, I remember Samit. I liked him. Mm-hmm. He was pretty good. My list, I, I can't accept any more new people. I'm going to recommend people send my, I recommend they send their patients to Samit. Oh, that's interesting. So you get a lot of referrals that because way. Because you, you can get referrels that way where people know you and they kind of have a respect for you. Or you just, you know, based on what you're doing, people are like, oh, yeah, like I've seen this guy around. He's getting it around. He's working with some teams that are kind mm-hmm. of pretty well known. Mm-hmm. Or he's doing this or that. So in terms of an online presence, I think I've always been reluctant, A, because I like my privacy. <laughs> well, not anymore. Now not that you're anymore. on, uh, you'll be on YouTube. Uh, uh, but B, I think if I'm going to, if I want to put content out there, mm-hmm. I want to make sure it's coming from a well-researched and knowledgeable place. And I'm always reluctant to put out information if I don't feel that I'm like a true expert in it. Like if you want yeah, that's the thing when you're a perfectionist, man. It's, it's hard to... It's like the whole thing how smart people are hesitant and then dumb people are overconfident. <laughs> That's what it is. Like the smarter you are, the more you second guess everything because you, you learn to like pick up bullshit, including maybe your own bullshit. And you're like, is this really what I believe? But then you see people out there just like saying whatever on the internet, selling like courses or ebooks yeah. and they're making money. Like they're making a living doing it. Yeah. And the internet definitely needs more reliable, credible people that really think this through. And like you're super rare amongst the health experts that put out this type of content because like you fought and competed yourself. And I I don't think I've seen a lot of that online where like somebody's fought pro MMA and they train and they're a doctor and they're into sports medicine. It's just like the all-in-one. The internet needs more of that. So now you sort of have to do it. Yeah, well, I guess so. You have, like you you owe it to the internet to do it. I owe it to the internet. Yeah, the internet. comments are gonna be blowing up. People are gonna be like, "Where's Samit? Link Samit's channel." I'm like, he likes his privacy. That's he the hard part is, is it's not the positive comments because everyone's like the positive comments are nice, but you know there's gonna be trolls. There's oh, that's trolls. fine. Yeah, how would that 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 eventually just stops bothering you though, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, I think we all have thick enough skin, but we're all sensitive on the inside. <laughs> Yeah, but if, if you stand to make some money from it, why not? Like, if you can actually, even like I see people doing online coaching with people that aren't necessarily even health professionals, you know? So, uh, even something like that to make, like, side income, I think could be cool. Yeah, I think it's got, always good to... Because you got, you got the kid on the way, you got this this dog uh, who's already a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, man. It just depends on like how much time are you gonna put aside to do it. Yeah, I think it's I think it's not a bad idea. And especially now doing the fellowship, my knowledge will increase and that confidence will come. Mm. Yeah. At what stage do you finally get the confidence when you're like, I have arrived. I am good enough. I've been in this X amount of years. You know. I don't know. I've been doing jujitsu for a long ass time, and I did not feel that I had arrived until like Las Vegas. I was like, "Yeah, okay, 
I could do this shit. Oh yeah, so uh, <laughs> yeah, tell your new audience that you went to you went to Las Vegas. You did the Nationals, American Nationals. American yeah. Nationals. The um, American Nationals, not the. Okay, important yeah. distinction. Um, it's an important distinction. I was, the other important distinction is I did not compete in the adult. I competed at Master One. And so, what age does that? That start is thirty. At? That's thir- that starts at thirty. Starts at thirty. Yeah. Just thirty plus. Thir- oh, I think they subdivided. I think it's I think it's thirty to thirty five. And then they sell. Oh, and there's. I think it goes masters one through six. And then it goes like ultra masters. I, I don't know. Ancients. Yeah, it's crazy that you're still cutting weight and competing. That's how I was bringing up like uh, doing online stuff because I think even providing a resource for hobbyist jujitsu people to cut weight safely would be a pretty cool thing to do because there's just a lot of misinformation out there on so the internet much. and everybody just kind of says what they do. That's not necessarily. And I know even a ton of people from the gym we tra- we've trained at uh, where people would just like ask around the gym, how do you cut weight? Mm-hmm. And they sort of like just take the word of whoever cut weight most recently. Or whoever's d- had the most competitive success. Yeah. So, yeah, so you, yeah, literally whoever's had the most success, even though maybe that the way that person cuts weight is like not, safe. not really safe or applicable to you and your, your style. So you could almost have like your early customer base at the place that you already train at where people already see you doing this stuff and they're like well that guy's doing it he's pretty legit um maybe i'll go to his website instead of just googling how I mean, to cut can't, weight i can't take all the credit for that weight cut because my buddy nick who's the strength coach in calgary with uh i think he's working he works with speed skating canada right now oh nice and he, does he work with a lot of athletes yeah, he, cutting well, weight he, he worked at the place that i uh, did my internship at uh-huh. Um, so he's been a strength coach for years with the, like the Canadian national teams and stuff. And so he's like super intelligent, does a lot of research. He's competed in, I think he's competed in powerlifting and he's had like other online clients. I think he helped Nick ring at one point too. Uh, is that That's the guy uh, from Calgary? He's a, he used to be a UFC fighter. It's not Nick the tooth, is it? No, not Nick the tooth. Okay. Nick ring was uh, an MMA fighter out of Calgary. The biggest issue people usually have, and even I've done it is, you starve yourself, you dehydrate yourself, you make the weight, and then you're like, shit, I'm tired, I'm hungry, <laughs> and I'm thirsty, and now I have to go. <laughs> and my partner it. hates me. Yeah. <laughs> <And> my <laughs> dog won't look me in the eye. <laughs> so yeah, so he was actually super helpful in terms of like making sure that I wasn't overdoing it because mm-hmm. I know in the past I have mm-hmm. I dropped too much too quickly and then I'm just tired. Yeah, weight cuts. Weight cutting's crazy, especially when it's not your main thing. Like you're just doing it it's, I, on the side. Yeah, especially when you're doing it on the side. Yeah, you still got to go to work. You still gotta <laughs> and go you're to just head. a cranky motherfucker. That and was the nice part. Is I wasn't too cranky. I felt pretty, pretty good. You did there. well. Yeah, we did a cottage. We were cutting weight the entire time. <laughs> you didn't drink or eat much, and I'm like, this this man is a stoic. That's my fault. He's okay. Probably could have eaten more that that weekend, but yeah, sucks that you couldn't drink. Fuck, we got these two dogs here. It is very distracting. They're super distracting. Um, Ezra, can can I give them a non-squeak one? Is there a non-squeaky ball anywhere here? Yeah, um, those tennis balls are not squeaky. I did the last video like this. I did with Julia. He was squeaking his thing on the side and like the audio the whole time you just hear squeaking in the background (laughs) and I'm like, fuck, that's annoying. You watch a lot of YouTube stuff like that, right? Like what kind of guys do you watch? 
So on YouTube, I, I like watching Lou. It's like the Unbox Therapy guys. Unbox Therapy guys. Love yeah, the Unbox Therapy sick. guys. I like MK, MKBHD. Marcus. Oh, Marquez Brownlee. Yeah. yeah. Love Marquez. He's fun to watch. He's great. Um, I was watching Linus Tech Tips for a little bit, but like... He's pretty technical and like I, I get that he has a certain niche that he's focused mm-hmm. on. I've seen that guy, yeah. And like he's got really good information well researched. It's just not as entertaining as I would like. And it's a little yeah. long his videos. A little so. long. It's hard to do both. It's hard to be informative and entertaining. Yeah. Like the guys that do that really well obviously kill it, but some guys just like they're just they're just kind of boring. But no. they're super knowledgeable about what they do. I realize there's a, a, like a group of YouTubers that are more like centered around kids that have to be over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like creators that are more just like normal, down to earth, relatable rather than... Well, that's why I love the OG Philip DeFranco. Like he's still... Uh, Phil? Sexy Phil. Yeah, SXC Phil. I, I wa- used to watch him when he was SXC Phil. And then I guess he made a new channel under Philip DeFranco. So he's still, SXC Phil is still his main channel where they have mm-hmm. his, he does his news thing. Mm-hmm. I think Philip DeFranco is like his blog, a vlog, the vlog, vlog channel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they still have his like the Philip DeFranco show however many times a week. I think your, uh, your mic got swallowed by your shirt. These are hard to maintain. Ezra, no. Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of those OGs. Phil, uh, I used to watch a bunch of, I, do you remember this guy, Zay Frank? No. From like, he was like one of the first guys. It was before YouTube. It was just an email newsletter and he would like mass email, essentially what, what is like modern day YouTube commentary. But he was like one of the first guys to do it before YouTube. Oh, like blog format, or would he... he would just record little clips of him reading the news and like doing his take on the news, hmm. and he would just like send it out to whoever signed up. Uh, he was one of the first guys. I think he's like head of content at BuzzFeed now. Oh shit! So he's like transitioned away right. from doing it. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of good guys. It's such a tough. It's, it's so, the, such the, a tough career to maintain. Changed so much, like just in terms of. Like there's celebrities, like it's hard for someone new starting out on YouTube now because there's so many, so many good content creators mm-hmm. and so many celebrities. Yeah. Once The Rock got on YouTube, it was like, it's game over. It's like, how do you compete without a viral video? How do you compete with all these people? If you're yeah. going in the same niche, right? Yeah. In the entertainment niche, I think in tech and some of the more sub niche, uh, yeah, people genres. can't crack the whole viral thing as easily as they could before because there's so much content now. Mm-hmm. There's simply too much stuff for everything to be going viral all the time. Um, so now you got you got a lot of big names that are entering. Like I saw Ryan Reynolds is like pushing his new vodka. Like, vodka? Gin or vodka? Gin. Gin. Vodka, one or the other, yeah. And he just made a YouTube account overnight. And by the end of the week, it was at like, um, over a million subscribers like Super what it else. took you know a normal youtuber maybe 10 years to get to yeah. and like you can, it's it's you know it's not meant to be fair like you can't you're not going to compete with ryan reynolds if ryan reynolds decides i'm going to push my vodka i'm going to do little funny web clips i could have a couple million followers overnight yeah um so it's definitely changing and it's harder to do different things now like uh i saw just before i came here i saw a guy 
did an interview with Theo Vaughn. The format was they were hiking. So the whole podcast is a hike. And it's like kind of a novel idea. They're like filming the whole thing and it's like good audio and they're like moving and, and talking and it's like, you know, Theo Vaughn's like a big, big-ish mm-hmm. name in comedy, but it's like, it's hard to do new things on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It's like when Jerry Seinfeld started the comedians in cars thing, right. 20 other comedians started doing it. Like Jay Leno does it now. Really? On YouTube? Or on his show? On, like on show? YouTube. Well, speaking of that, you He's have had the, Joe Rogan on. You have the Hot Ones. The, hot the Ones, there's people ripping off Hot Jimmy Ones. Jimmy Fallon's doing Hot Ones now on his show. I saw oh that God. on YouTube. It's so I saw, the, I saw that YouTube clip of him. Yeah. But, How do you come up with the next Hot Ones? I don't think you come up with the next Hot Ones. I think you do happens. what you're doing. You just put out consistent content that you like in an area that you're knowledgeable, knowledgeable about. And then either it takes and people are like, you know what? This guy's a good-looking white dude. <laughs> Wait, well. why, why has it got to be white? <laughs> why did you throw that in there? It's a good-looking brown well, I was dude just referring, in here. Re- referring to you, that's why. Oh, my heart. Um, yeah, well, you know, you're in the tech tech digital space. Digital yeah, all, space. all 67 followers. Hey, you know what? Even Sexy Phil started with 67 followers staring into that, that was it a Mac or that webcam and... Oh from yeah. His bedroom in his parents. Yeah. Parents' house. Yeah. Those those are cool stories when you think about. But then like for every sexy feel that stuck it out, like ten thousand people just fucking slammed their laptop shut and never did it again. And I was one of those people when YouTube first started. I was. Like, you, you put out yeah you put out a couple of like tricking videos. Yeah, right? I had I had I was like wanting to be a stunt man when I was. Before, yeah, from like 14 up, I was like, That's so, you wanted to be a stuntman, like in movies? Yeah, I wanted to be a stuntman. So my best friend in martial arts, um, when I was doing Hapkido and Taekwondo, he was a gymnast prior to, or I think he was doing gymnastics at the same time. Mm-hmm. He could do backflips and all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, man, that's really cool. Like, And he wanted to be a stuntman. And then mm-hmm. I was like, dude, teach me how to do a backflip. Like, I need to learn how to do this. I gotta get laid. Tell me how to do a stuntman. <laughs> I thought it wasn't even interested in getting laid. It was to be a stuntman. That's so <laughs> joke to just be a stuntman. I wanted to be a stuntman for years, and that's why I made all those. And then I was like, then I remember YouTube starting up and becoming a thing, and I was like, oh, I should like post videos on here and like post vlogs and this stuff. And I remember I on my hard drive, I have like videos of me making vlogs from grade twelve and like. Like vlogs, like vlogs, you yeah, like, like video, walking around and talking. Walking around, I have one from the first day of grade twelve that I made. Oh, like the whole first day of school thing. And it is, oh, it, shit. Oh, my God. It is, so, you, so you got into the game pretty early. It's just you got chewed up and spit out by the game. I just got that that anxiety about people's judgment. Just, just like, Seriously? I, I, That's... I, edited, I edited the whole thing on Windows Media Maker. I was like uh, super proud of it. And then I was like, I, I'm not putting this on the internet. Oh, dude. <laughs> you got you to gotta just like rip the Band-Aid off and put it on. Well, I mean, I mean obviously you were what, 15 at the time? Uh, I would have been grade 11, 16. Yeah, 15, 16 at the time. Yeah, at that age, you don't have the emotional stability yet to like say, fuck it, I'm just going to put it out. Like everything's a big deal. Oh, yeah. But as you get older, it certainly gets easier. I would have never in a million years done a video like even seven years ago or six years ago, ever. I never would have sat down and talked to someone on video. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're making ago. big pro <laughs> three years ago. I was like, you're already an adult, a married adult. Uh, yeah, this is big for you, man. I'm proud of you. You're, uh, you're leaving your comfort zone on the couch in your own home. 
With my dog. With your dogs by your side. Like everything to your advantage. Exactly. That's how you You're on it. your home court with your dog with Peach Ciroc, but you're doing it. I mean, you have all, everyone has to start somewhere. Yeah. You have like four different crutches right now and gradually you take every crutch you just, away. Yeah, you, just, you start taking the dog away, then you take the couch away. The Peach Ciroc is the last to go. That's not going to go. That might never go. It's hard. Yeah. When you, uh, it's hard like leaving home base to put yourself out there and do content. Like the first podcast I ever did was at a buddy studio. So I'd like go to his studio and he had, he's been doing it a while at that point. And like he knew what he was doing, but I was like so nervous. And I drank like big ass like grande coffee. And then I was like talking so quickly and it was just like a disaster. I was actually just like thinking of reaching back out and being like, can you remove that from your YouTube channel? Can we play that one back? Yeah, so I can like... The edited version? <laughs> yeah, it was like three hours unedited. And like you just stumble and say shit that like you didn't want to say. And Yeah, but that's also why when these guys put these podcasts up, for the most part, they're like, they are edited, right? Like even though people, Partially, are, talking, people are talking continuously, I would imagine they, they fucked up big time. They'd be like, you know what, let's just... All right, let's just do it again. You know, a long, t- a lot of times they're also not though, because some people like the uh, the raw nature of that mm-hmm. kind of format. They like being in the room, feeling like I'm in the room with these people, having a conversation or right. listening in. They're like on their commute. Uh, I saw that like most podcast listening is done on the commute. So I, I'm one of those people. Yeah, it's strange that it's blowing up again. Like radio is coming back in a again. different form. In a different form, right. it's, but it's, it's a new form of radio that you carry around with you. Yeah, but now it's different. It's almost like uh, media is like agnostic now. It's no longer just video, just podcasting. Like you record something like this and then you take the video portion, you put on YouTube, you take the audio portion, put on like a podcast mm-hmm. platform. Uh, and then it's like, it's all in one. It's no longer segregated. Like you're doing either podcasting or video. Most creators I'd say have both going on at the same time. I think that's just the principle of diversifying, right? Yeah. <clears throat> like. You're gonna, you spread a wide enough net. You're gonna catch more, catch more people's attention. You go to Instagram, you go on Twitter, you throw it on YouTube. Yeah, you know. it's just a lot to maintain sometimes. Like, people, uh, this guy I watch on YouTube was asking about. Uh, he's asking his Twitter following. Should I go on TikTok? You know, like the new app the kids are using, TikTok. I'm getting that age. Yeah. Later I was talking about it where it's just like, I need other people to tell me now what's You are. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be your kid in a few years. Yeah. I feel like, so God. Is that the, what was that? Not, not Huddle. What's the other? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk about that. Um, what was that? It's thing? like Vine. Like Vine, yeah. yeah. So it's like Vine. It's like short form clips of like uh, dancing or comedy or whatever. It's like what the kids love. And what marketers don't understand about what the kids like is the kids go to platforms to fucking get away from marketers and adults. Like, they don't want to go in a place that has the Ty Lopez's of the world trying to sell them a course or where their dad or their aunt is hanging out. Like, they want to go to a new place. So all these marketers are like, how do we get in on what the kids are doing? And it's like, the moment you do, they're going to move on to the next thing because they don't freaking want It's like how Facebook now, like the average... Like the most active user on Facebook now is in their forties or something like that. I'm not entirely sure. I think it's. Specific... I, I want to say it's older than that because we're not that far from forty now. Yeah, it's even <laughs> older than that. They're saying like people in their early fifties, like the one of the more most targeted consumers now on Facebook because young people are just like, okay, this is. Well, like... young people have moved to Instagram. I would imagine, like. Yeah, moved to Instagram and then Snap, and now like, it's it's moving so fast that like Snapchat now is considered like. 
So getting old, you oh, know. Really? If you're on Snapchat, you're kind. Of, well, yeah, I think Snapchat's been around several years now. Yeah, it's been around. And people on Snapchat were like in high school, and then in university, and now they're young adult, and it's like, okay, that's why TikTok's this next thing. Right. And yeah, so I see like marketers trying to like weasel in there. I'm like, dude. I mean, all they need is a celebrity in there, like The Rock, and then the kids won't care. <sighs> Once right? Ryan Reynolds goes in there. Well, I mean, I mean, they shouldn't be encouraging underage drinking, anyways. So. Uh, oh, it's got the, the vodka brand. Yeah. Man, it must be so great to get to a point in your life where you can make a vodka brand take off or a whiskey. When you're like a Conor McGregor or a Ryan Reynolds, where yeah. you're just like, I'm going to make something out of nothing. There's a million vodkas out there, but I'm going to make some meat sauce. And it's going to be amazing, and I'm going to put it out, and it's going to sell out. It's literally going to come off the same, uh, what's it called, it? industrial line <laughs> like that simpsons episode where they had like the duff <laughs> yeah. duff light and duff dry and it's all coming out of the same vent yeah exactly yeah, like it's literally the same potato juice isn't that what they uh so if you didn't know costco sells alcohol costco does it like kirkland alcohol. vodka yeah so in, in alberta we don't have it in ontario but in alberta they have kirkland vodka and they had like these giant like what are those uh, the big bottles. jumbo sizes the jumbo size bottles i don't know how much booze that is and it's Kirkland vodka, and the rumor, and I don't know if it's true, is that it's literally Grey Goose rebottled for Costco. Oh Jesus, that doesn't shock me at all. And it's way cheaper than Grey Goose. Well, yeah, you're you're paying for the brand. I, I saw a lot of evidence online that says as long as the vodka is triple distilled, like Grey tell. Goose or Belvedere, like you can't tell, no. which is includes Stoli and Russian Standard, and a lot of these lower priced vodkas that are like it's smooth. It may as well be Grey Goose. Um, I remember in the past when I was, I was young and I had Grey Goose and I'd run out, I just pour Stoli in there. Man, and every I, time I, people I was... came over, they're like, you got Grey Goose. And I'm like, fuck yeah, I got Grey Goose. So that, that's the perk of uh, moving out of your parents' house before you're like 22 because your friends are young and dumb and they don't know the difference. Or you actually have a place to do this in. Whereas I lived at home. Until that's true. I, left I would, school. yeah, I'd moved out pretty young and I'd pull the wool over my friend's eyes and I'd have like. Just bottles of Grey Goose that have been empty for but two years. That comes back to that whole thing that we were talking about of like appearances, right? Like you're, you're fronting to be like, yeah, I, I can afford Goose. I got, this is the good yeah. stuff. And even though it's just yeah, something. Your, your Gucci bag was made in India. Or China. Or China. I don't know why I picked on India. It's because they're it's moving iPhone it, production to India. But I thought it was only for iPhones. Like yeah. only for iPhones sold in India. They're no, it be... no, it's the for U.S. iPhones now because the Is whole thing with China, uh, I think they're just like hedging their bets and mm. moving, like that company Foxconn that right. does their iPhones. Is because I, I was watching the Lou Later video on that, and maybe I misunderstood him, but he said that they were maybe he said originally they was only supposed to be for iPhones sold in India because of like taxes and stuff or tariffs, mm. but it would Perhaps. make sense because you know India is a pretty democratic. This is why I don't want to get into politics because, like, unless you keep up on it 100%, you yeah. say one thing wrong and someone in the comments is like, well, actually, yeah. they're more... You can just edit that out then. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm not editing, <laughs> editing any of this out. I'm, I'm not coming from... See, this is the whole thing that I was talking about when you're... When I'm saying if I'm going to put content out, I want to make sure that I know what I'm talking about. But to yes, be fair, ideally, yeah, but if you think about the people who do content, sometimes they're just, like going off the cuff and they're not they're necessarily experts. The People like their personality and their approach and they don't always expect them to be 100% factually correct. 
Uh, I think as long as you got like good intentions. Like, I think if you're willing to admit when you're wrong. Yes. Like if you go, you know what, what I said last time was wrong or that mm-hmm. was inappropriate. I'm cool with that. It's the people who like act like they know everything and then when they're proved wrong, they just kind of ignore the uproar because yeah. the following is so strong that they can just be like, yeah, fuck it. I don't it's what that. I was saying. Smart people can admit they're wrong. Dumb people can't. <laughs> That's why it's hard interacting with dumb people <laughs> because they're know-it-alls and it's brutal. Um, <laughs> what's why like a lot of people even respect Joe Rogan because like he's just trying to find the answer you know what i mean like he's trying to like he's asking the right questions mm-hmm. uh he has all kinds of people on his show like i don't i never got the sense that like he claims to know to know everything like no it, i think he typically is just questioning people which is what i do definitely give him credit for is he's always he's just like yeah okay tell me what you have to say mm-hmm. like you're a really bro Oh, he's good. Um, yeah, he's always just going with, just tell me whatever you have to say, and I will try to make an informed decision based mm-hmm. off that, mm-hmm. which most of the people in the world could benefit from taking yeah. approach. Yeah, it's definitely a positive message to it. Like, he always goes back to a very universal message. is just like, just be cool to other people and try to understand them and don't pretend to know everything. Yeah. And you'd think it's common sense, but... uh Sometimes not. Ezra, okay, you just got a random ass ball. Okay. Um, yeah, but a lot, a lot of times like with content creators, people just like their perspective and their worldview. Mm-hmm. And they sort of just want to hear from that person, even if that person doesn't know everything. Yeah, you have to be engaging. You have to be able to engage an audience and not even captivate them, but be relatable. And I think people like... I like listening to people who I'm like, you know what? If I went and got a beer, a beer with that guy, uh, I would enjoy my. I would enjoy the beer test. Beer with, yeah, it's the beer test. Yeah, right? Tim Ferriss talked about that. He calls it the beer test. He's like, I wouldn't, you know, do business with a guy or invest in somebody's thing if I can't just go out and have a beer with them and yeah. enjoy it, because then that's just going to make the whole relationship <laughs> extremely difficult. Yeah. The beer test, the peach Ciroc test. The peach Ciroc Can you test. slam two shots of peach rock with this person without wanting to kill them? Yeah, I ca- I called it with dating. I, ca- I think I called it a the layover test. The layover test. Because with an ex, we had uh, we went went on a trip, and we had a, a three hour layover. Oh man! And that was the test, and it like broke the whole thing. I was like, we were like, wanting to kill each other three hours. And it's even better when the layover is not in a fancy airport like Pearson. It's in like a Cuban airport where it doesn't even have like AC or proper bathrooms or food. And you're just like suffering and it sucks, but it's the layover test. And you're supposed to like compose yourself and not, you know, not strangle the other person. Yeah. If you can suffer with someone in a shitty airport for three hours, that's a pretty good idea of your relationship. Yeah, I read a study online once that said that uh, real like bonds come through mutual suffering, which is oh, that, was that, wacky to hear. I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah, people that have gone through shit, it's like several times uh, just more of a bond than people that have had good times together. Oh, I mean, I think when you think about if you take jujitsu or martial arts or combat sports, for an mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. you're beating the shit out of each other and like 
hitting each other, choking each other, you kind of yeah develop a mutual respect and yeah and or friendship out of that. You never replicate that in an office. Never, unless you're and if you're beating the shit out of each other in an office, like it's, you're probably not bonding over it. Probably not. It's yeah. it's like that scene in Wanted. Have you seen that movie? Uh, well, I, I might be dating myself now. Wanted. I think I have it on DVD somewhere. Who's in it again? Angelina Jolie and the guy who plays Mr. Yes. X. Yes. Uh, James, uh, James McAvoy. James yeah, McAvoy. Wanted. Yeah. And he just goes up to his uh, co-worker and he's just like... Chris Pratt. Is, is it Chris, Chris Pratt? Pratt. He takes yeah. a keyboard and he goes... Yeah, Chris the, Pratt's in it and, and he's he, like banging his girlfriend. Yeah, and then the letters come out and what do they say? Fuck you it or says, something. fuck you and like his tooth is in there too. Yeah. That was an underrated movie. That was a fantastic movie. I, lo- I like James McAvoy in that movie. Yeah, jujitsu is is good for that. That's like what I try to explain to people. It's like in normal day to day life, like co workers, for example, like it's all very prim and proper. Like it never really goes outside of its boundary. Everything's very correct. Mm-hmm. And companies try to make their companies like families, but really everyone's just there for a paycheck like nobody really goes through any adversity together but Unless you're you, a shitty boss maybe you're yeah maybe you're bonding over like an abusive boss but then that's uh probably not staying at that company hopefully it's not like a good culture but yeah with something like jujitsu or even just like a group of friends that are all working towards something like if you and your friends are all training for a fight or you're building a business together or you're you're trying to move towards something like that's the bond. It's not like chilling on the beach and having a good time no. that builds that bond. Well, yeah, that's just an artificial bond when it's only good times. It's it's like I don't know what the saying is, but like your true friends are those that are there through the bad times, not just the good times. Yeah, right. Sounds kind of yeah. It sounds kind of corny if you think about it, but like that's actually what it's true. What works, right? Like the people that stick by you when shits hit the fan, and or when you've all gone through shit. Like, mm hmm. Mm-hmm. That's gonna create true yeah. friendship or true relationships yeah that might explain why co- co-workers and jobs in the past who i've had like a blast with just getting drunk with after work the moment they leave that job you're like you never hear from them again oh oh that's uh that's the battery yeah yeah hold Cut. on one sec <laughs>